Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. Um, as Michael said, my name's Tara. I think most of you know me. If you don't, I've worked here for a really long time. Um, and I'm actually going to grab this stool because what some of you don't know is I have a little bit of some heart issues, and it doesn't know the difference between good adrenaline and bad adrenaline. And this is good adrenaline, but my heart doesn't care. So, so first and foremost tonight, we are in like such a dark time in our world. Would you agree? If you watch the news, if you're on TikTok, if you're on X, formerly known as Twitter, if you're on any of it, you've seen things you probably never wanted to see. So tonight, and you guys, nobody knows I'm doing this, except, yeah, I don't know if anybody knows I'm doing this. Tonight, to add a little levity to our night, I just want, is there anybody in the room who, like, had something incredible happen this week or something that's super funny that you would be willing to share with us to start the night off? There's got to be at least one person in here. You guys have all had a terrible week. Come on. Really? You guys are killing me. Come, share. I'll, I'll come to you, Leah. <laughs> it's got to be good. Can I come over here? Um, stand up. So I was flying back from a wedding in Charlotte last weekend, and I have knee issues, so I do have to have some help getting to the gate. And I'm at the gate, and I'm waiting. My flight's delayed getting back to Melbourne. And I get called up to the agent's desk, and they said, Leah Brizendine, Leah Brizendine. First, I'm shocked they pronounced my name correctly. Secondly, I'm like, what did I do? I get up to the gate. They said, you know, do you need assistance getting on the plane? I said, no. They said, what about your pet? I said, excuse me? They said, do you... (laughs) a service animal that you need accommodated on the plane. And I'm looking around, I'm like, no. I said, I don't have a pet, don't have a pet with me now, don't have it at home. Um, (laughs) I don't need my invisible pet accommodated, thank you. And they're just like, okay, that works. For whatever reason, someone had noted on your file here that you had a service animal you needed accommodated. And I'm like... Okay, thanks. And then I walk back to my seat. Leah, we need to come up with a name for your invisible service pet. Maybe even like a type of animal that might be helpful. All right. That was pretty funny. I wish you had like a stuffed animal in your bag that you just pulled out. And we're like, here it is. You, never mind. I'll stop there. Um, Well, welcome. We are in our second week of the First Peter series. Uh, We are in a series called Exiles. I forgot to put the tagline up there. We'll get to it later. Um, Tonight, we are doing verses 10 through 25. Initially, I was given six verses, and I said, I can't fill that much time with six verses. Like, I can dig in deep, but it's not going to take the 30, 40 minutes, and I'm still not going to take 40 minutes, so don't worry. So, we're just going to recap First Peter real quick. These aren't trick questions. First question, who wrote First Peter? Peter. Peter, gosh, so good. When was it written? 
Does anybody know that answer? Yes, very close. There's, you know, there's always some discrepancies, but they say like 62 to 64 years after Jesus' death. Um, so this was written to Christians living in the northwest region of Asia Minor, also known as Turkey. And uh, Peter, having walked with Jesus for more than three years, he saw how we are to walk as those who follow Christ in an increasingly hostile world. So I, uh, we're going to reiterate a couple of Jackson's points from last week because chances are, you know, we had an intense week last week. You might not remember them. So, um, y'all, my points are not in here. Hold on a second. Oh, I know what I did, you guys. In the meantime... I'm going to pray. Well, actually, CJ, can you come up here and pray while I pull this up? <laughs> Calling an audible right now. You pray. I'm going to pull these up. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for tonight. Uh, we thank you so much for just the opportunity that we have uh, to gather here together on a Thursday night and worship you, sing our praises to you. Um, study your word together. Uh, we ask that your spirit would fill Tara as she uh, prepares to share this message that you've given her. Um, we pray that you would um, just give her the, the words to say. Would you uh, remove anything that is not of you? Um, and um, would you just move here in this place tonight? We trust that your spirit is moving and working even when we don't see, when we don't feel. Uh, we trust that you are still here, um, and we trust that Tonight, you've got a, a, a message uh, that you want each and every one of us to hear. So speak personally to us. Uh, we love you, and we praise you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Okay, got it. Okay, so to reiterate just a couple points from Jackson's teaching last week. First, Peter was writing to the exiles, scattered to the four winds. He said that we must live with an exile mentality. Do you guys remember that? This life is not my own. This world is not my home. That is the tagline. And then we are constantly longing for home in the midst of continual chaos. And I don't know about you, but I most certainly feel that last one. So with this portion of scripture tonight, uh, I do want to mention the only way I know how to describe it is that it's like it's lofty and it's poetic. And I don't know how to simplify it, so I'm not going to. So we're going to jump in. First Peter 1.10. You guys ready? Excellent. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. So just to stop here for a second, if we're talking about prophets and their prophecies about Jesus and how they wanted to know more, we're going we're gonna to throw it back to our guy Isaiah in the Old Testament, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite prophets. In Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, he says he was wounded for our transgressions. Jesus, we know he's talking about Jesus. I, he didn't know he was talking about Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes, we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. 
and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When the Spirit of God told Isaiah to write that, Isaiah's response was, O Lord, who? O Lord, when? And how long, O Lord? How long? Because even the prophets long to know more. Verse 12. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. So kind of to go along with that, we've got Matthew 13, 16 through 17. And it says, Jesus said to his disciples once, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So while we know, like of the prophets, and they were and are highly respected, even they did not fully understand what was to come in regards to the Messiah. These folks, these these prophets, they were missing a piece of the puzzle even as they shared words that the Holy Spirit had given to them. So as they wrote these words, the word of God under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they were serving not themselves, but future generations, us included. They knew that Christ, the Christ, the Messiah, was going to come after their time. And now thousands of years later, we collectively listen to the same Holy Spirit. This like blew my mind and brought tears to my eyes when I really like grasped it. They did not know what we know. And we listen to and are ministered to by the very same Holy Spirit. When these prophets shared these incredible messages to come about the salvation of the world, they knew they would never experience it. And now we, we get to operate through the same Holy Spirit while also knowing and experiencing the beautiful gift that is salvation. Isn't that powerful? When you really think about it, it is incredible. So we had the prophets who knew in part, and then you think about the verse that says, and then you think of the angels eagerly watching. And this doesn't mean that they, um, they want to be a part, but can't. It means that they want to understand because, in a sense, they're outsiders to the drama of sin and redemption that we experience because they never sinned. And they love, the angels love to watch the great work of God's salvation unfold in history and in the lives of his saints. The angels, in a sense, you could say they're mystified by this. Um, But in those verses that we read, Peter expounds on this thing that we call salvation. He expounds on it with four descriptive (laughs) phrases. And I almost said summations, but they are very surely not summations, so I apologize now. So the first one is, salvation wasn't something that was thought up in a moment, right? It wasn't an afterthought but rather it was an intentional forethought prepared for us. 
It was something that the Holy Spirit spoke to these prophets, and they were longing for it. They were longing for the salvation of Christ. Second, Peter sums up our salvation with a simple word that has an incredibly deep and incredibly wide meaning, and that word is grace. We don't deserve it. We have done nothing to earn it, but God's word says that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus and not by our own efforts or our own works. Third, and this is a quote from a commentary, and I I have no recollection of which one it is, but it says, the basis of our experience of God's saving grace are the sufferings of Christ in both his life and death and the glory of his resurrection and exaltation, which is described by Peter as the subsequent glories. Do you guys now know why I said it's like lofty and poetic? Fourth, the salvation that we are so acutely aware of as those who attend church, like tonight, where the gospel of Jesus Christ is shared. It's so incredible, so mind-boggling, and so wild that even the angels were curious and longing to see the fruition of this. And we get to. Verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed at his coming. So verse 13 begins with, therefore. And what does therefore mean? Points us back to the prior verse. So in context, Peter is saying that what comes next is rooted in the salvation of Jesus Christ and the glory that would come from it. And so then we, collectively, we then turn to and see the responsibility that comes with, comes with it. And the responsibility is that we are to be alert and fully sober, setting our hope on Jesus and his return. Um, now, other translations say to gird up the loins of your mind to be alert and fully sober. Do you guys know what that means to gird up your loins? Did Jackson hit this last week? I don't think he did. So basically what it means is like they wore tunics. So you pull it up and you tie it so you can run, so you can swim, so you can fight, whatever you need to do. You make it so you are ready for action. It's almost like um, like a romper. <laughs> I hope it's not sacrilegious. But anyway, so they gird up their loins. So he's saying, get your mind ready. Be sober. Get ready for action. So this all leads us, finally, to our first point. God's finished work of our salvation is done, and now we must be faithful to do what the word implies. God's finished work of our salvation is done, and now we must be faithful to do what the word implies. Verses 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he called you as holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So in verse 14, Peter shares that we are not to conform to the pattern of our former lives when we lived in ignorance. And this is not the type of ignorance where they say ignorance is bliss. This is the type of ignorance where we're walking in sin. Okay? And when I think about my life before Jesus. So 
before the age of 21, because that's when I came to know the Lord, it was full of selfishness and unhealthy patterns and then suffering because of it, right? There's nothing blissful about that type of ignorance. But I will say that I am grateful that we aren't held accountable to the things we didn't know when we didn't know them. Would you agree? So to reiterate, verses 15 and 16, but just as he called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I, the Lord God, am holy. So what's holiness? At its basic definition, what's holiness? I hear mutters, but I don't hear anything really. Set apart. Thank you, Kira. Yeah, in the Bible, um, the word holy comes from the Hebrew word kodesh, meaning to be set apart for a specific purpose. It's also defined as someone or something that is set apart to be consecrated to God, to be a follower of God's ways as opposed to the ways of the world. Be holy because I am holy. Verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. So again, throwing it back to verse 16, we're told to be holy as the Lord is holy. And since we call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, we are to live our time here as foreigners, not clinging to our material life, our money, our home, our clothes, our car, etc., We are to live like exiles who aren't from here, who aren't staying here, in reverent fear. And reverent fear is to respect God's power and authority, not because he's angry and he's coming after us, but because we love him and we want to please him. And if I'm honest, I think that reverent fear or simply reverence It's something that's often missing in the church. Like, people are no longer being smited, smoted, (laughs) definitely not smitten, but (laughs) they're not being taken out for their lack of honor and reverence for the Lord anymore. And so we, even as God's people, have become really lax in reverence. But for us, this approach, this approach of Christian living, so being holy with reverent fear as foreigners, is once again rooted in our identity as those in exile. And it's a throwback to verse 1 that Jackson shared last week. We are but sojourners on this earth. We are but sojourners on this earth. And I love that word sojourners because you don't hear it very often, right? Exile, sojourners are very similar. Peter, who wrote this book, he reveres God with a humility that we don't see very often. And he responds to God with awe, and he knows he is dependent on God alone. As hard as it may be in this time, we want to be like that. 18 and 19. For you know... That God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Verse 20. 
So first, when you dig in a little bit, the empty life inherited from your ancestors meant like a little Greco-Roman paganism with a side of unethical practices. And I, it kind of like, <laughs> as wrong as it is, I, I'm kind of amused by it because it's a little bit of shade for them, right? They're casting a little bit of shade, but there's also a little bit of encouragement, right? From the portion that talks about how God paid a ransom to save us. Like, this is how you're living, but there's a ransom. And the ransom paid was to release, it was to redeem, liberate, to make us free. Just use a ton of the same words and maybe we'll get it, you know. We, for those of us who know Jesus and walk with Jesus, we are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And for us, this should be like both a sobering and a celebratory reminder because in lieu of like real lambs, which are so cute, that would have to be sacrificed again and again. Jesus did it one time, and he will not need to do it ever again. One and done. And again, this can take us back to verse 16 where it says, Be holy because I am holy. This is because our release, our redemption, and our ransom was paid by someone or something that no mere mortal has. Because we are spotless. we are not spotless. We are not sinless. Our next point is, our ransom was paid so we can live life in freedom from sin, in holiness, in Jesus, with Jesus, by Jesus. Our ransom was paid so we can live life in freedom from sin, in holiness, in Jesus, with Jesus, and by Jesus. Verses 20 and 21. God chose him, Jesus, as your ransom long before the world began. But now, in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God, because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. So you know how sometimes in the Bible there are those things that kind of make your brain hurt? This is one of those for me. And if I think about it, what I'm about to say, if I think about it for too long, my brain kind of implodes. Um, or I can, if I'm being totally honest, if I think about it for too long, I can actually start to spiral because I'm pretty cerebral, and if I can't understand it, that's not okay. Um, but there are just some things about Christianity we'll never understand, right? God chose Jesus as our ransom long before the world began. And again, this was not some random and panicked decision. God wasn't like, oh no, my people, they've sinned, what will I do? This was not the backup plan. Like God foresaw, he foreknew what Adam and Eve would do, and he had a plan. He's a God who knows everything from beginning of time to the end of time. And it's a throwback to the verse I shared when I taught last from Ecclesiastes 3.10. God sees the entire scope of eternity. And this isn't in that verse. He allows us to have free will. So he knows, but we have free will. 
You see why I say if I, if I think about it too long, <laughs> I might implode. But does that blow anybody else's mind, like when you think about it? He's so much smarter than we are. Verse 21. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. The beauty of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection is the glory that Christ was given. He literally sits at the right hand of God, and he intercedes on our behalf. He prays for us. And one day, every knee, every knee is going to bow, and every mouth will confess that he is Lord. Whether or not people want to, that is what is going to happen. And for those of us who already have a relationship with Jesus, we bear the fruit of faith and hope because we know all these things to be true. We know what Jesus did, and we know what's yet to come in the book of Revelation because we have the tangible word of God. Like, we are so blessed to have the Bible. We have it on our phones. I know we've talked about this before. Computers, phones. I mean, there's no way you don't have access to it unless you're, like, in a dungeon. You have no access to anything. We have access to it. We don't know the whole scope but we know what Jesus did and what he will do. And that's a lot. And it's beautiful. Verse 22. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Man, you guys, the moment that we obeyed truth, the moment we had a revelation of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, That was the moment the cleansing of our sin began, the moment. And in that process of coming to know Jesus, working out our salvation with fear and trembling, one of the things we're called to do is to love each other deeply. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Uh, In John 13, 34 through 35, this was a verse um, that was, we'll say, kind of like the life verse or the core verse for a group that I mentored years ago, and it still holds such a sweet place in my heart. It says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. It's pretty redundant, but I love it. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Because, guys, when we slander each other, when we talk trash about each other, when we verbally assault others in our frustration, bystanders, they may question if we even love Jesus or we're giving him a bad name. We're making Christ's followers look bad. We don't want to do that. But it happens all the time because we're human and we sin and we fail, right? But sometimes... Loving one another even means apologizing and asking for forgiveness because we all fall short. But by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Verses 23 through 25. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever forever. Because it comes from the eternal living word of God. 
As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. But the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that is the word. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. So when we realize and we choose to live life like Jesus is indeed the Lord of our life, we are essentially born again, right, spiritually. And a lot of people in our society, there's a lot of just interesting thoughts out there, but one of the most prevalent ones is that when you die, you die. You're gone. There's nothing left. There's no afterlife. However, we know that for those who put their trust in Jesus, eternity will be a beautiful and an everlasting thing. I'm going to say it again. For those who put their trust in Jesus, eternity will be a beautiful and an everlasting thing. The word is implanted in our hearts, and the word of the Lord remains forever. And that's why we, humans, we're like grass. We're like flowers that fade and wither. These earthly bodies have an expiration date, some sooner than others. But the word of the Lord that is implanted in our hearts is everlasting. And that is the good news that was preached to you, that was preached to me. I told you guys I wasn't going to go super long, so band, you guys can come back up. We, um, we have a lot of heaviness in our world, as I mentioned earlier. The things in Israel and Gaza Strip and all of those things. I have a friend right now who lives only 100 miles away from the Gaza Strip. I'm worried about her. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired. And I'm feeling a little bit worried. So I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads. Verse 21 talked about placing your faith and your hope in God. And so, guys, tonight, if, if you're in need of the hope that Jesus has for you, and you don't know him, as your Lord and Savior, tonight's your night. If you're struggling and you don't know Jesus, but you want to have the hope that the rest of us have, I just want to challenge you to just put your hand up really quick. The Lord is going to do a work in this room of some sort. We just don't know what it is yet. Also, if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling weary, I just want to pray over you guys. And keep in mind, during this last song, if you need prayer at all, we're going to have some leaders in the back. You are welcome to go talk to them, ask them to pray over you. But for now, I'm going to pray really quick, and we're going to worship, okay? Heavenly Father, we come before you. God, and, and the things that are happening in our world right now were not a surprise to you. And God, for those in this room who are feeling weary and heavy-hearted, sad, whatever the emotions are right now, God, we ask that you would move, that you would encourage, that you would speak. God, that they would have hope. And Lord, that during this time of worship that you would minister to our very hearts. We ask this in your name. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at 
we are the harbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.